Welcome to Section 247 Sports. I am Michael Doklapinski, joined as always by Brett Halpern. A little bit of a new format here, Brett. We are taking the goal line stand in the fight. Our general knowledge of nonsense, we are combining it into one. And Section 247 Sports is back and better than ever. Happy Monday. This is the kickoff. You tell me when and where, and I'm there. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner, presented as always by Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293 in the Philadelphia area, DePaul's Table, a modern Italian steakhouse, 70 Lancaster Avenue in Ardmore. All of our social media and YouTube links are in the show notes. Go to section247sports.com for more. Before we get started, Today is media day in the National Basketball Association, and I know that's not much on your radar. It's on my radar because I have to be the poor schmuck right now covering the Sixers for Sports Talk Philly until we find a guy. So I was just following along this morning as I was waiting for the plumber to show up to fix the broken hot water heater that leaked all over my basement floor. And it goes to the Brooklyn Nets, not the New Jersey Nets. They're long gone from Brendan Byrne Arena. And Kevin Durant is getting interviewed. And you hear the, the reporter, but you don't see him. And he says, hey, why, why do they call you KD? And you're like, oh, my God. Like, what is going on? Turns out it was David Letterman. They brought David Letterman in and had him asking all these goofy questions. The dude has a full-on beard now. Yeah, he's had a beard for a while. It's um, like you're David Letterman. You can basically do whatever you want. But I don't find it very becoming. What, you don't like people to have beards? I'm not anti-beard. I mean, your beard looks a little better than it has been. Well, I t- uh, that's because I shaped it. You know, I did the thing. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it was looking a little scraggly. His is, I mean, he's Mountain Man. He's like that show on Netflix alone. Have you ever seen that show? I have not a blessed clue what you're talking about. There's a show on Netflix called Alone. It's a competition. They drop off 10 people somewhere in northern Canada by a lake in different areas of the lake, and you have to live there on your own for 100 days. The last person standing gets a million dollars. He looks like them at the end of it, although, frankly, there are women involved. They don't have beards. I should point that out. We're going to leave that alone. You can have to go away for 100 days and live by yourself. Do you have to like hunt for food and things? Oh, yeah. I've learned a lot of things because, frankly, uh, I was talking about this with uh, someone else and we we're talking about how long could you last. I wouldn't even last on the boat ride to get there. So, but I did learn a lot. There's, you know, traps. Fish are very good for you in the long term because of the healthy fats. This is true. You, you can't survive on rabbit alone. This is why the Japanese people. By the way, wolverines are wolverines are pricks. They will steal your food. We know that wolverines are pricks. Ugly animals, by the way. Cheating, cheating bastards. They hold in the back of the end zone, and they don't get called for it. Yeah, but at least Scarlet Knight showed up well. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to it in a few minutes. Here's a quick rundown of what we're talking about today. We're previewing Monday Night Football, Eagles, Cowboys. We're going to talk to Brett about the Giants and the Falcons. I have questions. Yesterday was a crazy day in the National Football League. Records broken. Just absolute insanity. We're going to go and talk about the college football world, the top 25. And we're going to talk a little bit of UFC. UFC 266. Three up and three down. Let's get started in Dallas. Massive Monday night football game. Implications for the NFC East. But we got to start with a wonderful story. Lyle Collins is suspended. Uh, his suspension for not taking a drug test was originally five games. It got bartered down to two, which is usually how it works. Well, then the story comes out that Lyle Collins had bribed the drug test people. And now it's back up to five. What the hell is wrong with these people? Well, here's what I we're going to we'll get into the, the actual offense in a moment. So you start at five, bartered down to two, negotiated down to two. Now the story comes out and it's suddenly back to five. That makes no sense to me because the NFL obviously knows what happened. Why would you lower it and then bring it back up to five? I agree with you. I have no idea. It makes no sense in the story got out, I think, is what happened. It's like, oh, okay, the story's out. This is going to look really, really bad for us. 
Yeah, go back to the five games expansion. Quite frankly, if you're bribing a an official, uh, not an official of the league, because it's probably just a you know whatever lab court person or whatever, but a, a representative of the league on a drug test, I, I would think more than five would probably be good, right? Yeah, I well then it comes down to you know, per the CBA, the new CBA, you cannot get suspended for marijuana. And I believe that's all. And I think he was just worried about the fact that he had marijuana in his system. So idiotically, this, I think this literally didn't even need to happen. Well, then that's dumb. That's dumb. Yeah, it's really dumb on his part. It's dumb on his part. It's dumb on someone in the Cowboys organization, and it's dumb on his agent to be like, dude, you smoked up a little weed. It's not a big deal. They're going to ask you to drug test. If that's the only thing that's coming up, it's okay. Yeah. You have to be educated on that. Well, that's typical Dallas for you. Yeah, it's um, – I don't quite uh, I don't quite understand it. And look, Lyle Collins, this is a guy who has had multiple – do you remember how he entered the league? Do you remember that story? No. So Lyle Collins was entering college coming out of LSU – a definitive first round pick. And then like two days before the draft, he suddenly became a person of interest in a homicide investigation and wasn't drafted. Oh, that's right. And he became a, he, he probably was the most prized undrafted free agent in the history of the NFL. The only benefit he had to that, obviously he missed out on first round money, but he didn't have to go through the extra year of the contract. He got to hit a second contract quicker. And credit to them, the Cowboys ponied up the most money for him. He was, it was an open bidding season. Obviously, we know the Giants weren't going to do anything with that because their offensive line is just fine. But it, so I, I understand. But I'm just yeah, saying yeah. it's a very interesting uh, – I mean, this, just strange stories seems to follow this guy. Well, it's, it's Dallas, right? So that makes sense. Speaking of the offensive line and it being injured, Eagles are going to have a, a little bit of an issue tonight. Jordan Mailata sprained knee. It seems as though it's only a sprain at this point. Andre Dillard is going to be starting in his place. A lot of people are looking at Andre Dillard from past and saying, this is not good. This is not good for Jalen Hurts. This is not good for the Eagles offense. Head coach Nick Sirianni, Nothing but praise. I don't know if it's more of a coach speak to just kind of, hey, he said it. Whatever happened in the past is the past. I didn't, you know, he's been good with us and he will be doing, he'll do an okay job stepping in. I have my questions regarding Andre Dillard. He came into the league. Uh, Look, you have to be coming into the league. You're very high on his athleticism, has great feet for a man his size. He is, A, he has just shown a clear inability to stay healthy. And B, when on the field preseason, when you watch him, I don't think he's yet been able to develop the strength. He doesn't have a very good anchor. However, it's going against a Dallas defensive line. There is no Demarcus Lawrence. The best defensive end is a converted linebacker, first-round pick Micah Parsons, who, if anything, is going to beat you with speed. In that matchup, I actually would – I'm not saying favor Andre Dillard, but that's the kind of edge rusher that Andre Dillard most likely would have more success with. So perhaps for this week only, it may not be terrible. By the way, speaking of Nick Sirianni, I just had something come to mind. We should have a theme song for Nick Sirianni, and I know the theme song. What is the theme song? The 1980s song from Jermaine Jackson, Let's Get Serious. Oh, Okay, am I missing something? I don't know. It's just because it's like if we ever have like a deep discussion on Nick Sirianni, we should be like, oh, let's get serious. Oh, I get what you're saying now. Okay, I understood. <laughs> All right, got you. you. You mentioned Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons has an apparent hit list. And we don't mean this in the... I went to a high school with a kid who had a hit list. Uh, I went to high school with a girl that had a hit list who was the sister of one of my very good friends. And I actually went up to her and I said, if I'm on your hit list, we're going to have a major problem. You're not going to have to worry about the hit list if I'm on it. She said, no, I would never do that. I ran into the guy who had the hit list at my high school. I was not on it. He didn't know me. I ran into him at a Burger King once and um, said hello, and he said the fries here are good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> was it like the scene from uh, Billy Madison where he was probably sitting there with the lipstick? 
No, it was not like Steve. It was it was more like Steve Buscemi from Con Air, more like that character. Yeah, but with good fries. Very good. I uh, Burger King fries. Well, back then, back in the day, Burger King had decent fries. Not so much anymore. I'm still a fan of them, actually. Yeah, you know. By the way, the Burger King on Haddonfield Road, Haddonfield Berlin Road, open. I, okay. I went there myself. It's open. No, okay. Don't get me started on Burger King right now. Can I have a little Burger King rant? Can you give me two? You, okay. Okay. No so, format. Go for it. I, I I've been dieting. And I've been allowing myself one cheat meal a week, which lately has been Burger King. I allot for the calories and everything else. For And I go all in, right? I mean, the, I go hard to the paint. Talk about basketball. So last week, I go to Burger King. Apparently, they're like, we can't serve you. So I go to the one on Berlin Hanfield Road or off Brace Road. And there's there, We can't serve you. Then I go to the one on Route 70. We can't serve you. It was National Burger Day. They ran out of food. I go this week, Saturday, same time, 7 o'clock, right before all the fights and everything else. I go to the one on Brace Road. No one pays attention to the drive-thru. I'm sitting there for 10 minutes. Hello, hello, nothing. I go to the second one. They're waiting in line for like 20 minutes, nothing. I For two straight weeks now, and I can't get – I have to find – I have to travel further to like a reputable Burger King. Because there's no friggin' Burger Kings that are reputable in the area. Route Route 73, right before 295. It's technically Maple Shade. That's one I was also thinking about the West Berlin one. On 73. I think the key is Route 73. I, I would agree with you. <laughs> it's I, I would just ridiculous. I, I, I'm like, now I'm jonesing for a Whopper. They, I did have a very, very good double cheeseburger from there. Their cheeseburger is good. I'm all, I mean, and it's tough because it's your one cheat meal. So it's like the one time where I'm sort of back to, you know, normal with eating and it, you know, you're looking forward to it. You worked hard all week and then they, you know, they fuck with you. It's very, it's very upsetting. Back to the hit list. Micah Parsons has a hit list. Yes. He said that Jalen Hurts is on the hit list. Is that bulletin board material or is that just simple talk? That's Cowboys Eagles talk. I don't understand where the genesis of the Jalen Hurts hatred comes from because these two never crossed paths in college. No, because Alabama and Oklahoma were good and Penn State was always losing a game because James Franklin is a dope. Yes, and they just they never played. I guess maybe along the camp circuits or something like that. But look, it's it's just Cowboys, Eagles. This is what happened, you know. We talked about last week a little bit regarding the rivalries and everything else. And the one thing is right now, because, you know, we talked about the relevance of a Giants-Eagles rivalry, and I agree with you, it it always will be. But right now, because the Giants are so bad, and, you know, take last year, maybe that's an aberration for the Eagles. You know, I I think they're more competitive this year. We don't know how the record's going to play out. But it's been... Eagles-Cowboys have been the class of the division. Eagles are coming off a Super Bowl. They can now really give the dig to the Cowboys. And the way that it has gone with the draft, with the alumni coming back in the second round, with David Akers, Drew Pearson, there's just, there's a, there is a lot of the vitriol, good word, by the way, between the Cowboys and Eagles. And Micah Parsons is just continuing the tradition but it's absolutely bulletin board material if i'm jalen hurts i'm showing that to my offensive lineman yeah he's got a hit list he thinks he's gonna be able to hit touch me all day probably should have said hit touch is a little creepy nevertheless <laughs> i was gonna make a penn state joke but we're not going to we're gonna yeah leave. he's from penn state we're gonna so leave it alone we're gonna leave it alone we're gonna leave it alone Anyway, going to leave it alone. Anyway, but so yeah, I would you know I would show Jason Kelsey and the rest of that offensive line. Absolutely, that's bulletin board. I guess if you're on the defense, it's not as much. No, I mean I guess on the on the, on on the opposite side, you do have Nick Sirianni walking around with a beat Dallas shirt on. So there's bulletin board material going the other way. It's nice to have a little bit of a of a rivalry uh, on, especially on Monday Night Football, which for the most part has kind of just been ho hum. And the nice part is he gets it, Nick Sirianni. You have to understand your fan base and understand certain games. Look, at the end of the day, if it if the Eagles need to win a game against, I'm just picking a random team, uh, Detroit, to get into the playoffs, that's the most important game of the year. But every year, 
you got to be if, if you're an Eagles fan, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, beating Dallas is important. Beating New York is important. Nobody really gives a shit about Washington. They're just there. And that's a Dallas. There's a Dallas Washington thing. There is a every, yeah. And then obviously there's always a Washington fan at every sport, at every NFL game. But that's a separate discussion. And, and, a, and a Dolphins fan. And for those of and you who Dolphins are listening fan. saying, what are you guys talking about? Look, pay attention. And it's no, it's not even it's not even every NFL game. No, it's, it's a any sporting event. event. It is called it used to be the Redskin Dolphin theory, but now it's just the Washington Dolphin theory. Yeah, it, it is true. You go to any sporting event. My wife even picks it up. We'll yeah. be at a Phillies game. Hey, there's a guy over there, three sections over with a Dan Marino shirt on. It's always wow. Dan Marino, and it's an old school like 1988 starter jersey. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Zach Ertz returns from the COVID list. I, so he was vaccinated. So obviously, what, what, however it all worked out, because they didn't really ex- disclose it. I don't know if he contracted it or was a close contact, but he's okay. He's good to go. That's great and everything. But quite frankly, I need to see more of Dallas Goddard. Let's talk keys of the game this week. High-powered offense from Dallas. Uh, the Eagles looked obviously very, very good against the Atlanta Falcons, as most teams should. Uh what? <laughs> Never mind. We're gonna get. To we're it. gonna get to it. <laughs> no, we're gonna get to it. The Eagles looked ho home last week again against San Francisco. Dallas has really been kind of offensively clicking on all cylinders. The keys to the game here: Eagles are gonna win. They got to do what other than score more points? I think the Eagles probably need to cut down uh, explosive plays from Dallas, and you know make Dallas earn it, right? Because. The, the, even though, obviously, you don't want to ha- – if you're a defense, you don't want to have to go through 10-minute clock-eating drives. The thought process is, well, if there is a 10-play drive at some point, maybe Dallas either screws up, there's a there's a, a holding call, there, there's some kind of offensive penalty, or they turn the ball over. But to me, limit um, you know explosive plays, keep Amari Cooper – and uh, C.D. Lamb under wraps. To me, I think there that is the better part of the offense. Ezekiel Elliott is not the same guy. Tony Pollard's a nice compliment. I, I actually like that kid. I think he's a good player. Uh, but the offense really is run through Dak Prescott and that passing game. So limited uh, explosive plays. To me, that's the biggest thing. It is really – I don't. It, Again, you're a Giants fan. I'm an Eagles fan, but it's impressive to see their the explosiveness they have from their wide receivers. And that's what they went for. And, it's, and it's a very, very good working group. out. It's a very it, Gallup is good. They have nice. They have nice. They get good. They get solid tight end play. Uh, but it's amazing how much Ezekiel Elliott has hit a wall. We talk about it at length, and people will, will hear about it when we get into the postseason and we're doing our draft stuff. He's a running. Pollard is the better running back. He should probably get more carries than Ezekiel Elliott. It's not going to happen for maybe it will down the line. But, hey, feed Zeke the ball. I've already won my one fantasy matchup, so it's okay. He's my running back. Blind draft. I didn't draft him, so it's okay. The other league, screw the other league. By saying that, you're, you know, you're, you're going up against my mother, so are you trying to say screw my mother? No, I'm not trying to say screw your mother. She already beat me in fantasy. Yeah, last night. It's like, close. Oh, it's, no, it's, no, it's still, done. It's 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 over. Over. It's over. I'm over. I didn't check. I didn't check. Oh yeah, yeah. She that's can. Good. She she can. She can brag. She. That's because you had bad. You have a bad name game. I do have a bad name game. And that's what it starts with. My name is excellent. That's why I'm doing pretty well right now. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Let's go up the turnpike. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I got questions for you. Oh, good. Giants Falcons Falcons come away with the victory. Uh, this was bad, and this was bad for a lot of different reasons. Let's start with the pregame, and then you can fill in. And then I want to ask you a question about postgame. So uh, halftime, I should say halftime is Eli Manning Jersey Jersey Day, <laughs> and Giants just not playing well. Uh, John Mara gets booed out of his own building. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yes or no? Well, so rightfully so, the fan base has every right to be upset. But the thing is, 
as a giant fan, and as my and Mike will attest to it, I, I I fancy myself as an historian from you know all the things I know about this franchise. The Mara family has always been beloved. You know, the Giants went through terrible stretches in the mid '60s all the way to the early '80s. This has never happened. This is a new low for the franchise, and it was sad to see. You know, people loved Wellington Mara, uh, John Mara's father. And to see that, it, it was honestly depressing. Beyond the fact that I was livid over the fact that I was sitting there watching this ceremony from home as opposed to being there, we're not going to get into the COVID vaccination thing and all that. But this was, this was really, this is a new all-time low for the franchise. He came out and said that he would boo himself, though, too. Yep. So uh, I, we get it. And that'll kind of get into what we're we're going to talk about in a second. But let's talk about the game itself. We brought it up with the Eagles and the Falcons. The Falcons are not very good. No. The Giants are really – and you've said it. You, you've already you've said it for the past couple of weeks. Go back and look, listen in, in, the, in the archives. Giants are playing for a draft pick at this point. Yeah, so – I would say the Falcons really do not have anything to offer. By the way, I was not very impressed with Kyle Pitts, but he's still a rookie. Now he's killing your fantasy. Giants lost the game. They're not very good. But what happened? Their middle linebacker, who is probably the most underappreciated component of their defense, he's the only solid middle linebacker, the solid linebacker they have, Blake Martinez, who's the captain of the defense, goes down with a torn ACL. He's not done for the year. So you had no guys who could stop the run. You couldn't even get play calls. So that also cost them several timeouts throughout the game. Clock management is becoming an issue with Joe Judge. Considering he's not an offensive coach or a defensive coach, you're not managing the game. That's a problem. We'll get into that in a moment. So Blake Martinez goes down. Then in the first half, Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton both go with hammies. So they're out. Kenny Galladay's limited. So all of a sudden, all these supposed weapons you have, they're all hurt. Evan Ingram comes back, and what does he do? He catches his second catch. He fumbles it in their own, uh, you know, he fumbles it, almost cost them points. He's ineffective. The offensive line is still, you know, a, it's not even a work in progress. It is just this conglomeration of ineffective players. Saquon Barkley had a better game, but he's not. He's still not dynamic. He, at the end of the game, there was a, a huge third down call where there was plenty of space, and somehow he got tackled in the open field. He has to make that man miss. And then Atlanta gets the ball, drives down, scores the last second field goal. The defense is ineffective. There's still no pass rush, really. The secondary is a mess. This team now, I'm looking at the schedule, maybe two wins, maybe three. That's about it. It's done. And it all comes down to me. I don't know how much it is coaching in the sense that Jason Garrett is ineffective. It runs an antiquated offense. Defensively, if you're not going to get a pass rush, it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. You can't cover for five to six seconds. And then it's all based upon how you built this team and who built this team. Dave Gettleman, John Mara needs to look in the mirror. He needs to assess that the way of doing the giant way of doing things is no longer. This game has evolved. You need to bring in fresh blood. That's why I've I, and I've said this to you off air, on air. The Giants are incestuous. That's the best way to put it. They only deal with people who have connections to Giants from the past. You can't operate like that. What happens? What happens when you know you deal with in, incest? The gene pool dries up, right? That's what's happened here. The gene pool has dried up. We're, this is no longer George Young. We don't. Hey, the, the magic is gone. It's time to create new magic, new thinking. Dave Gettleman is not the answer. You have to completely overhaul the front office, the scouting department, everything. And if that means Joe Judge has to go, so be it, because I'm not overly impressed. That's going to bring us to the next point. So Joe Judge has the, his press conference, and as he's exiting the press conference, I guess he stops and turns around. This is according to Steve Politi, our friend from New Jersey Advanced Media, although he doesn't know it. He is he is our friend, uh, Steve. Uh, 
Like he's been complimentary lately. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. I guess Joe Judson is like, we're going to get this right. Or I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the exact quote. We're going to fix this. We're going to do it. And he leaves. And the thing as an outsider my, popped into my head was when Coughlin almost kind of gave his guarantee. It's not the same, but it's similar. And it went right back to just what you said. I was like, well, can the Giants even fix it with the putts of East Rutherford running the show? No, you can't. You can't fix this because you're bereft of talent. When you know the Giants with Coughlin always had issues. Every year they would stumble. As soon as November hit, there was a three to four game skid. Every year, some of those years they ended up winning a Super Bowl. Some of them they would miss the playoffs. But that's it's how it happened, like clockwork. But you had talent. You had all right. Whether you like Eli Manning or not, he is a border at minimum a borderline Hall of Famer. Let's just put it that way. That's a decent piece to work with. You've always had, you know, for during the Coughlin era in the Super Bowl runs, you had good wide receivers. You had very good offensive line. You had defensive talent. There's no talent. There's nothing there. You can't, you know, I know there's the whole, the old salad, make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Guess what? I'm not eating chicken salad if it comes from chicken shit. And you know what? That really can't happen. Here, there's no talent, and that's because of the front office, the inability to scout, the inability to develop players. We, you know, think about Devontae Booker yesterday was a uh, a healthy scratch. He was a first day free agent signing this year. They signed him like two and a half million dollars. We talk about running backs being a dime a dozen. Why did they go out and pay this guy? And now he's a healthy scratch. It just makes no sense. You know, we talked about the Andrew Thomas draft. Draft pick, it, it's a flawed system. It has to reboot. Joe Judge is not getting this fixed because you can't. You can't enter the Indy 500 with a Ford Pinto. It doesn't matter. You can you can clean it up. It's still a Ford Pinto. It's a Ford Pinto, right? Not a Chevy? No, I believe it's a Ford, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Shout out to the Ford. Shout out to the Fords. They're, they're in Detroit. They had a bad day, too. Yes. We want to talk about that. Let's get to that. That wasn't as much their fault as it was a fantastic kick. It was a fantastic kick. Let's go around the NFL real quick. And since we're talking about it, Justin Tucker, 66 yards to set a new NFL record. First off, I didn't, I had completely forgotten about uh, a Prater, right? Kicking the 64 yard yeah. in 2013. I still thought it was uh, Stubfoot that, that had it. That's really very nice, by the way. What? Stubfoot. I, I'm blanking on his. He was an Eagles kicker. Tom, what is that? Tom matter? Dempsey. Why I was blanking on it. <laughs> so, uh, so as a New York Giant, I could just like call him a shitty. Well, name. I've always had an issue with the Tom Dempsey thing because I understand because the foot was metal. Yeah, it's a club. It's like a. It's like a hammer. Of course, the ball is going to go further. Yeah, but nevertheless, it's still. That's what it is. If you're a Detroit Lions fan, yeah. Oh my God, this has got to be it's. I, and I, I know a couple of them. Uh, shout out Carl Coffee. Uh, Carl Coffee. Coffee time. Very upset. He, he's like, look, I expected to lose. I didn't think it was going to happen that way. Uh, one thing I do want to address before the kick is people on social media, and this has happened with a bunch of games, are freaking out about the play clock thing. Yeah. That there's delays of game and all this stuff. Forget about the clock on the TV. It doesn't mean anything. If it's not no. matched up with the clock in the stadium, which the officials are looking at, doesn't mean anything just stop yeah and the rules a little faulty correct me if i'm wrong it's not simply that it has to be zero it's not until the ref sees it zero and calls it so if it hits zero and the ref doesn't call it it's a good play it doesn't matter there should be someone looking at it but yeah you are correct and until it's seen you're correct 66 yards for the win bounces off wasn't quite a double doink but i was watching it on red zone and I had to sound down a little bit, and I'm looking at it. I didn't realize it was that long. It was an amazing play on its own right, Yeah. and then it's good. Guy's a great kicker. Won me a bunch of points for fantasy, not the did, league that I lost. Did Justin, did Justin Tucker just kick himself into the Hall of Fame? Ooh, uh, going back to our Hall of Fame discussion, that's a good question. It, it, I don't know. It's going to have to come down. Let's see what happens with Vinatieri, right? Yeah, look, I've He's always thought that Vinatieri is overrated. A lot of those kicks were not as clutch as they uh, – those Super Bowl kicks were not the clutch kicks. The, the clutch kick was in the snow 
at Foxborough. Agreed, agreed. But when you when you're going to look at his whole, yes, when you look at everything. Yes, that's what happens when you play for 55 years. I, I understand that, but Justin Tucker is the best kicker of this era, and now just booted the longest field goal in history. They don't put kickers in. That's the problem. I'm talking about it. I think he, he's Steve, the best. Steve Tasker should be in. He won't be in. Yep. I understand. I, it's an interesting debate. Let's go to Jacksonville real quick. Not much going on for the Jags. Uh, what's his face? Uh, quarterback there. Um, blanking completely. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. That's right. Because he's now learns. He's now learning what it's like to lose. After not losing forever, welcome to Jacksonville, pal. Him and Urban Meyer. And Captain Cargo Pants. And Captain Cargo Pants. By the way, I don't know if you saw this. So Rutgers loses, right? Uh, on one of the Rutgers boards on Facebook, someone started shitting on the staff for losing to Michigan. I had to go on. I was like, what, would you rather have uh, the Skies Guy Flood and Cargo Pants Ash? I used your term. Oh, got, yeah. got, got over well. By the way, I'd rather lose 20 to 13 in a close game at the big house as opposed to at home on a Saturday night, 78 to nothing, which very could very easily could have been uh, 85, 90. It, there was it really almost there because there, yeah, there was a touchdown call back. That would have been 85 nothing. That was under Chris Ash. That was under Chris anyone Ash. who would complain about the progression since then is an idiot. I agree with you. Speaking of Matt Prater, so Matt Prater goes for a, a big field goal attempt at the end of the half, and it is returned by Jerome Agnew, 109 yards for the touchdown with Gus Johnson on the call, overrated as can be. But what a what a play. Longest play, tied for the longest play in NFL history. Can't get any longer. Literally cannot unless you're going to be a Canadian team. That is true. Yeah, that's the only way you can do it. It's not the longest play technically in professional football. Because I'm sure there's been one in Canada, but wouldn't they just let it go? Would that count as an Uno or Rouge? What's it called? Well, it's only a Rouge if he can't get out of the end zone. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. So, therefore, it would not be a 158 yard return. I just made up that number. Yeah, no, but it could be 172. Sure. Yeah, but no. Otherwise, it'd be a Rouge. I'm still waiting for the walk off Rouge. There's there has to be a walk off rouge. There has there has to have been a walk off rouge in the history of the CFL. I'll I'll look for it. I'll find try and find the video. I'll put it on the Instagram at at SEC at at section two forty seven sports on Instagram. Yes, but we're we're talking a lot about kickers right now. We got we are we really are. Now. Andy Reid leaves yeah. the Chiefs game via ambulance. Now, according to everything today, everything's okay. It was it sounded like a case of dehydration. Yeah. But still a scary thing. You, you don't want to see that happen, especially with everything that's going on. Oh, no, absolutely. Most importantly, we'll get to the game in a moment. Um, yeah, but uh, our thoughts are – there's no such thing as a thart. <laughs> Actually, well, I don't want to know. No. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> our thoughts and prayers with Andy Reid. Uh, but as you alluded to, it, the reports are that he's in stable condition, and it was really just a case of dehydration. And honestly, hydrate, guys, guys and gals out there, hydrate. It's very important. It is, and as a coach, see, I find I find it weird that a coach would be dehydrated. When I coached, I literally had like the Gatorade bottle in my hand the whole time. If anything, I had to go to the bathroom more often than not. Yeah, but if I could also see if you're not one of those people who. You know, it's almost habit that you're just swigging a little bit where you get so wrapped up in the game. Suddenly it's, you know, it's 80 degrees. We're still in the fall. And before you know, it, you're, you know, you're dehydrated. So now I was watching the game on red zone, but I wasn't paying complete attention to Andy Reid on the sideline. Did he have the mask on again? Because it, it could get heated up from that, that, that little I, shade thing. I believe he's sans mask. San, let's say that's good. That's good. Let's talk about that game. Let's first start with the beauty of the uniforms. And I know you don't like the chief uniform. I understand that. That was the best looking game of the weekend. Oh, that's absolutely. The, that's the Chargers best combo. You could put that Charger team on a field with a uniform literally dipped in shit and it would be the best uniform matchup of the week. I I, I agree. It, it, it was just it fantastic. Would smell then, but it'd still be good. 
Chiefs fall. They're one and two coming into Philadelphia next week, which is not good. Not good for the Eagles. One and two. Justin Herbert, huge play at the end of the game, propels the Chargers. Maybe a little bit of an issue with the officiating. Yeah, but Justin Herbert's very good. He is very good. Is he? It's you can't put him up to elite level yet. It's just no. way too soon for that. But he is clearly in a class, maybe right below the guys like Mahomes. Would you agree? He's got the goods. I, I would, it, it, and we said this last year. If I'm a Charger fan, I'm thrilled about both the present and the future. The thing is, I think there's only about 15 Charger fans. Well, that's not true. Don't make fun of people in San Diego. I don't know if they're angry. You know what? I want to put a, put a tweet out there at SEC 247 Sports. Are, if you're a Chargers fan in San Diego, do you still root for them or are you angry? No, it's all Aztecs. Yeah, they got a new stadium coming out too. Speaking Although, of new actually, this year, they're not even this year. That's next there's year. There's no football team being played. There's no football being played in San Diego this year. Where actually, are you? Actually, no, University of San Diego with Dana White's son. Oh, who cares? Yeah. The Toros, I believe. Okay. Yeah. That's a home of Tony Gwynn. San Diego. San Diego, University of San Diego is where he was a coach. Oh, okay. Cool. Is this just a is this just a bad start for, for the Chiefs? I, I think the the biggest issue to me is that the offense is a little sloppy, so they're not hitting on full cylinders, and the defense is really not very good. That's the problem. And it's unfortunate. I, I, their defensive coordinator is one of my favorite coaches in the league, Steve Spagnolo, but he he doesn't have a lot to work with right now. If we're going to power rank them, if we're going to do a top, we're going to do. Are they training downwards in the AFC right now? Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you that I don't. I think the Eagles will give them a hard time next year, next week. <laughs> no, maybe next year. I don't know about next week. Yeah, they'll give them a hard time next week. The Chiefs don't have. They don't have a defense. The Eagles barely have an offense. Well, look, it's time. Let's get serious, and we'll talk to the coach. And you know, uh, you run the. No, I think you'll be able to manage the clock if you run. If you pound the rock, you, it should it should be a closer game than people think. If I could we'll be serious later, if I could be serious for a moment. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one too. Let's talk about the rookie quarterbacks in the National Football League real quick. We already talked about Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I want to read a stat to you though. Uh, Justin Tucker's field goal was 15 yards longer than the Bears' offense gained total. Justin Field from Ohio State, Chris Ash in Jacksonville, formerly from Ohio State, Justin Field had a Chris Ash offense type of day, one passing yard. It was pretty bad. It was more like a Drew Merringer kind of offense. Uh, it was bad. Uh, but I got to tell you, it made me quite happy because the Giants owned the Bears' first round pick. So if they continue on this path, the Giants will own the first and second pick of the draft and then fuck it up and draft someone who I don't like. That's not true. That's not true yet. I believe I believe Indianapolis with uh, crazy legs, Carson Wentz, it has the number two pick right now by the, by the like nine, yeah. seven tie. Right, right now the Giants actually own the fifth pick of the draft. I know. The good news for the Eagles fans is Carson Wentz played on two bad legs. He played every snap. He's playing well, meaning he's playing every snap. Uh, Jim Ursay came out and uh, really took a shot at Wentz and, by extension, Reich and the whole staff that this guy needs to play. Uh, I don't think that's what Carson was expecting when he ended up out in Indianapolis. No, but I will say for the Eagles fans tracking the Wentz amount of snaps, the Colts are playing so poorly right now. They're going to be out of the divisional race, at which point, and out of the playoff race, at which point if I'm the Colts, I sit them because you want to keep the first-round pick. Yeah, it, it, I would agree with you there. It just depends because apparently the quarterback room is really, really bad. Yeah, it's not good. You have Nick Eason and you have uh, Brett Hundley. So pick your poison. Anything about this weekend, as we wrap up the NFL, surprise you? Surprise me? I, I don't think there were that many surprises. Per Actually, yes. Cincinnati taking Pittsburgh to the woodshed. That was That was a bit of a surprise. 
we were talking all last season how the Steelers were leaking oil. Remember, they had the big start, and then it, you, you could just tell that they, it wasn't working. It, yes. they, they, they were going up that incline in yes. Pittsburgh, and it just wasn't happening. I think that I think the oil's out, man. This is like the Exxon Valdez now. Yeah, this is bad. This is going to. Co- I don't think it's going to cost Tomlin his job. Pittsburgh doesn't do that, but they got to figure out their future. Like Big Ben needs to retire. He fell down like on his own. He's now yeah. becoming Eli Manning. It was. A, it's become a. It's become a <laughs> gift. It's. It, it's not very good. Now I, I want to talk about one guy, and we're going to call it the Aaron Rodgers Revenge Tour, Part Two. Because all last year I went on on and on about the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. You did. He has a very, very bad week. One, everyone says, ah, oh, it's because he was too busy with Jeopardy. Ugh, you pissed the guy off. Yeah, look, I, he, he he's a tremendous talent. It was an excellent game last night. I can't believe there was not a penalty called on that hit on Devontae Adams. And I can't believe Devontae Adams was not concussed, considering he was down on the ground for like 10 minutes. Well, I, the NFL came out and said the independent arbitrator determined that he wasn't. You got to take them for their word, especially oh, with everything that's going on. But yeah, I, I mean, that was scary. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't questioning the independent uh, neurologist. It just to me, I was just it, to me it was remarkable that he did not have a concussion. But it, it was an excellent game. Uh, Sunday night football is three for three so far. We were we were complaining that that the Buccaneers and the Rams should have been the Sunday night game. Buccaneers yeah. and Rams was an okay game. I really yeah. feel bad for New England next weekend because Tom Brady goes back to New England and he didn't look very good. I don't feel and bad for New England. I don't feel bad for them, but they're going to get smoked. They're just going to get absolutely smoked. Let's talk about Buccaneers Rams for a second. Sebastian Joseph Day getting a lot of love for about goddamn time. From be nice from, if they said where he was from. No, they won't say that because you yeah. you can't acknowledge. They need to acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Yes, absolutely. What the hell did these two teams think they wh- who dressed them? It was awful. The Rams have this alternate pure white uniform other than the bone that should be yeah. the regular with the with the either the blue pants, I don't yeah. like the blue pants, but the yellow pants. And then you go all pewter. I, I, it was awful. It was disgusting. I had to fix my TV. It was bad, and that could have been a reason why the Bucks lost, among other reasons. Maybe also because they can't run the ball, and the defense isn't playing as well as they were. That Rams team right now, I think you got to say they're the best in the league. Now, it's September. That's the problem. The Super Bowl is not next week. And Tom Brady tends to figure it out later in the season. This is just how it goes. Yeah. I but mean, there, there are some issues with this team. It'll be interesting. He's been putting up stats, and it's September. What happens when he does figure it out? That's what's scared. That is what's scared. And of course, we saw one of the two or three long Deshaun Jackson touchdown catches. And at some point, he's going to stub a toe, strain the hammy, the groin. I don't know what. What do you think it's going to be this year? Which soft tissue injury? Uh, it's definitely the hamstring. I'm going toe. Now, okay, so we'll, we'll place bets on it. Well, <laughs> at SEC two four seven Sports on on Twitter, we'll put it out there. What injury will sideline Deshaun Jackson? We'll put toe, hamstring. Uh, what else should we put in there? Toe, hamstring, toe. calf, calf. Groin. It can't. It's I'm groin. That's good because we can only do four. It's not going to be a serious injury. It's not. No, it's be a, a lower leg soft yes. tissue injury. Yes. That's always what it is. Eagles fans were going ballistic on Twitter and on on the Facebook groups. Oh my God, we could have had this guy. And then some people chimed in all the time. What for one play? Look, it'll win you a game. I've seen it. I've literally seen it with my own eyes, but it, then he that goes away. He goes away real quick. Let's go to college football. This was a, an interesting stat. I saw in the athletic six ranked teams lost on Saturday, six ranked teams giving. So six ranked teams lost in the top 25. This is from the, Preseason polls because the argument is that they shouldn't have any. That they should. Uh, number seven, Texas AM, number nine, Clemson, number 14, Iowa State, number 18, Wisconsin, number 21, North Carolina, and number 25, Kansas State. Didn't Oklahoma lose or did they win last second? No, they won last second. By the way, I think we should start speaking of acknowledging who called the Texas AM Arkansas game. Yeah, I understand. I understand. 
me. You, yes, you did. Yes, you did. But let's talk. I want to start in Chicago. I want to go back to Chicago. They actually saw decent football, kind of. Yeah. We had an issue with the Notre Dame-Wisconsin thing because it was in Chicago and not Madison. Yes. Now, there's two things I want to talk about. They do the jump around, yeah. right, and they make a big point of showing it. Yeah. And the Notre Dame fans are, poo are poo-pooing it. There was one sh drunk schmuck who was jumping in the middle of the Notre Dame section. He loses his fan card. But they should jump. They should They no. should enjoy it. If you're a Notre Dame fan, you can't partake in the jump around. Well, really? So, all right, yeah. so if we go to Madison, we can't jump around? No. If we go to I could admire it. I could appreciate it. That's different. Okay. That's entirely different. We can do the wave? You have to. That's on if, my bucket list. I have to tell you, if I'm Iowa, if someone is not waving, they're out of the game. I if I was a coach, I'm, if I was a coach of the visiting team, and I have a player who's not waving, out. Yeah, you're gone. You're See gone. you later. Go back to the pink locker room. Notre Dame destroys Wisconsin. What we have is Wisconsin is a Big Ten team, right? They 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 are very much a Big Ten football program in the traditional sense that they don't have much offense. I want to take this back to the number four team, Penn State, who struggled to beat Wisconsin. What what does that say? You know, like Penn Staters are, are are walking around with their chest all puffed out that they're number four in the country. They haven't beaten anybody yet. Villanova, great, great. Auburn, By the way, shout out to that kid. I hope he's okay. Yeah, just a concussion. Oh, it's just a concussion. Just a concussion. It okay, was just, good. Very glad to hear. They haven't beaten anybody. Not glad to hear there's a concussion, but you know what I mean. In well, they thought it was a severe spinal. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, has Penn State beaten anybody? No, not particularly. Uh, they do the 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 bulk of their uh, schedule is coming up. They're gonna have Michigan. We'll see. I don't think they're that great. No offense to Rutgers. I, I'm proud of what Rutgers did, but Michigan has flaws. Michigan State, decent team. I believe they have Iowa. Penn State. Does Penn State have Iowa on their schedule? Uh, before a potential Big Ten championship game, I think they do. I know that they are going to play Indiana next week. So let's take a quick look at the, Indiana um, struggling. Yeah, they. Oh, yeah, they. They're at Iowa. Yeah. in two weeks. Yeah, that's a tough game. They still have Ohio State, and that's at the Horseshoe. Right. So, yeah, uh, I, I let's let's you know what I, I'm going to reserve judgment. I'm not even going to say yeah, you're not good. I think Penn State is a talented team, but let's see the all. By the way, Auburn barely won against some crappy team this week. So yeah. th that the, Auburn game looks like it was a little bit of a flunky too. Auburn wins by 10 over Georgia state. And that was a late win because Georgia yeah. state had a, had, it was a weird weekend of college football. Yeah. Uh, Michigan state 23, 20 over Nebraska, Oklahoma state beats uh, they beat Kansas state, Georgia tech just demolishes North Carolina. Oh, that goes back to, the preseason polls, the reason we have preseason polls are that in the first month of the season, you need to have games that fans are interested in. And the way that fans get interested is by seeing a number next to a team. They, it, it, there is more of an investment then. But there are, there are so many every year of the top 25, it's just fraudulent. They're just not that good. At what point? I guess it doesn't really matter until the college football rankings come out anyway. It's, always, it's been like that since the BCS. That's when they actually mean something. Yeah. So looking forward a little bit, if you had to pick your top four right now, who do you have? Alabama, Georgia, Oregon. Right now, I probably have Penn State as the fourth. But again, it's just very early in the season. We do, Penn State had, and look, if Penn State runs the table, absolutely they deserve to get it. I may not like it, but whatever. You deserve it, you deserve it. I, look, if they run the table, that's going to be pretty impressive because it is a pretty loaded up schedule coming on, on on the back end now. They got tough games coming up against obviously Iowa, Michigan State to close out the season. Don't sleep on on Maryland. Maryland's been playing very well. The Big Ten East as a whole, as we can attest to, I, I think has really evened itself out a little bit. Look, Rutgers is only a fifteen point home dog. Yeah, to 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 I to Ohio State. That is true. Do I think they cover? I don't know. We'll get to that on Friday. <laughs> but, you know. Yeah. No, actually, I will say, so four I would have is Penn State. 
Uh, I like that Arkansas team. I like that Arkansas team, but they're in the SEC, and that's brutal. And they're going to end up losing to Alabama, most likely, and, and that's a divisional game. So they won't even have the opportunity to get to the SEC championship game. So that's where sort of the SEC will cannibalize each other. I think that's what's going to happen in a Big Ten as well. You're going to have all these teams just they're going to they're going to end up beating up on each other. Yeah, and and then a Pac-12 team will 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 slink in there like an like an Oregon, and then they'll get blown out in the college football playoff. Who are your five and six? If the next two in? Okay, well, if Penn State is four, I have Arkansas five. I do not like Oklahoma at all. Um, who else is under? Maybe I put Iowa. I put Iowa ahead of Oklahoma. I do not like Oklahoma. But now here's the problem. So Iowa State loses. That sort of devalues Iowa's win over Iowa State. Right. There's a lot of that going on here where it's where, a lot of devaluation. Where does Notre Dame uh, factor in here? You got actually all, you have their all time winning as coach now, right? Yeah. They're going to erect a statue at some point. Well, at least he wants a statue. Brian Kelly, who they despise in South Bend. I mean, yeah. they don't like the guy. Yeah, he's he's going to have an erection. He is going to have an erection. Of one form or another. We are not sponsored by Blue Chew, but if they want to throw us a thing, that's great. Speaking of Blue Chew, Blue Chew is a sponsor of Pro Wrestling Talk. Um, Royal Rumble, coming to the Dome in St. Louis. Do you like that? I mean, we're, we're big guys. We're fans of these kind of things. What do you think of that? I like I like that they use dome shows for not only WrestleMania but for other pay per views. St. Louis historically was one of the bigger promotions in the NWA. I don't really know how much of an effect that has now on the current fan base, but maybe that's more of an AEW discussion. But nevertheless, it St. Louis was one of the hubs of wrestling back in the day. So yeah, I have no problem with. It. And they don't have they don't have a football team anymore. No, but they might get a billion dollars out of the whole thing. We'll we'll get to that at an, at another point. I'm actually yeah. surprised though, thinking about it. Oh yeah, I forgot they had the dome. Even though even though my Battle Hawks were selling that bad boy out in the XFL, they haven't even had a WrestleMania. It was a surprise they announced it. I figure we touch on it. Let's go to Saturday night real quick. UFC 266. We're going to do our three up, three down power rankings that you have uh, you have curated. What was your initial thoughts on this show? Because I was following along at a distance, and I got to tell you, I was a little bit surprised. So thoughts just on overall entertainment level of the show or specific results? I just just overall as, as a whole, uh, entertainment value. I'm sure we're going to get into some of the results here in the three up and three down. Yeah. I thought it was a fantastic event from top to bottom. There were amazing fights in prelims and the main card um maybe not necessarily surprising results but this was for this was every bit worth the money uh i shelled out to buy the pay-per-view really had a, a fun time watching it and main event was crazy let's get to it three up three down so we'll start with the trending upwards who do you have trending up at number one Number one, I have to go with the winner of the main event, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, who retained his UFC featherweight championship by defeating Brian Ortega via unanimous decision, 49-46, The guy, look, he has pretty much cleared out all the top guys in the division. There's going to be a third fight with Max Holloway. The second one was incredibly close. I actually scored it for Holloway. But either way, I think this was – a performance that really where Volkanovsky showed he's not just a guy who has great fight IQ that can sort of with feints and with positional tactics can simply just win a, a, a ho-hum decision. This one was action-packed. He was, you know, piecing up Ortega early on. And then, you know, the third round was just utter craziness. So for those that didn't watch, um, Ortega hits Volkanovski, and, and Volkanovski is uh, slightly off balance. He gets to the ground, and one of Ortega's uh, top skills his, is his jujitsu and his ability to snatch on to a submission really quick. He basically jumps into full mount on top of Volkanovski and has a mounted guillotine. 
And this is honestly one of the best jujitsu practitioners in all of MMA. And for those that have ever rolled at all, if you get into a mounted guillotine, not only are you going to choke because you're running out of air, you actually can risk like biting through your tongue. There actually might, you and I saw a fight where that almost happened uh, when uh, Nate Diaz beat Jim Miller via mounted guillotine. People tap immediately to a mounted guillotine. Volkanovsky survives it after about 30 seconds. Then they transition into a triangle, which is Ortega's, you know, main go-to submission. He survives that. You can't teach that. That is, that is showing the world, I am special, I am unique, I am elite, and I am a champion. Then what does he do? He gets up in the fourth and fifth round, continues to piece up Ortega, who now in his two title fights, I give him all the credit in the world, very tough guy, but he has really sustained some beatings in the ring to Holloway and Volkanovski. But Volkanovski is the man at featherweight, and you have to give him his props. You do have to give him his props. What's next for him? Oh, the next, well, so they actually rebooked the Max Holloway-Yair Rodriguez fight for... I believe November or December, the winner of that fight presumably will get the title fight. Uh, the next shot, I gotta believe it's gonna be Max Holloway. Those two are two of the best featherweights of all time, and they're just clear and cut better than everyone else. So, you, I, I think the next fight is going to be the trilogy fight between Volkanovski and Max Holloway. Who you got trending up number two? Trending up number two. Speaking of greatness. She did it once again. Valentina, the bullet Shevchenko, retains her UFC Women's Flyweight Championship by defeating Lauren Murphy via TKO four minutes into round four. I believe if you look at the stats, Murphy only landed about 11 punches or 11 strikes, excuse me, throughout the entire fight. This was this was a completely one-sided affair. Uh, and once Shevchenko opened up it was just obvious the skill difference she did whatever she wanted whenever she wanted to take down she took it she got a takedown once she wanted to end the fight she did uh it was just it was another day at the office for what i believe is the best talent ever in women's mma i know that's a disputed uh topic and subject and, and opinion and which i am always willing to back up because i always still believe she beat amanda nunez in the second fight but, yeah, I mean, this was, what, her sixth title defense already in, in a span of, like, two years? She's just a machine. And fans love her. She's, you know, professional, always. She's aggressive, well-rounded, just fantastic. What's next for her? I mean, you're coming to the point now where I don't want to say she's unbeatable. Nobody's unbeatable. But nobody's touching her. She's the closest thing to unbeatable given what is out there currently on the, in the women's flyweight division. Um, she basically has defeated everyone in the, the division. Uh, Joanne Calderwin, Calderwood, excuse me, is one name out there that hasn't fought her yet. But Calderwood in key fights always loses. So she does. She misses out on the title shot. Same thing. Uh, also Saturday night, Cynthia Calvillo, who's a talented prospect and, and ranked contender, she got finished by Jessica Andrade. So she's not. She doesn't deserve the title. And what happens? Andrade already got destroyed by Shevchenko. So what are you going to do? You can't just put her back in. The, you know the name that is out there that is very intriguing. Once she gets healthy, is Tatiana Suarez, the former UFC strawweight. She. Most people believe if there is a female Khabib out there, it's her. If she can get healthy, she's announced her intentions to compete at flyweight. That's the one name I'd be very interested to see. But she also would need to probably put together one or two wins. So in the meantime, if I mean, if you want to keep feeding her overmatched opponents, you could do that. Otherwise, I think she has to go up to bantamweight. I don't think Amanda Nunes will take the third fight. It's not in Nunes's interest. So maybe just have her fight a few, you know, a top ranked opponent and then, you know, say, look, she's a mandatory shot at Bantamweight, but she's so damn good. Who do you have as your third trending upwards? My number three, this fight, if anyone, this was the main event of the prelims. It was Marab Dvalishvili. Uh, George's finest. I'm not talking about the state. I'm talking about the country. Uh, defeated Marlon Moraes via TKO four minutes and 25 seconds into round two. The first round may have been 
it, it is up there as one of the top rounds in honestly UFC history. Just absolute craziness. Marais drops him. Marais is a terrible, excuse me, is a terrific striker and is very nearly finishing the fight. Uh, the no nonsense Keith Peterson allows it to keep going. Zavalashvili, who has an amazing gas tank, it just somehow in mere survival mode, takes down Marlon Moraes, and then with his cardio, just starts putting it on him with ground and pound. And by the second round, Moraes had emptied the gas tank. Tavalos really comes back and finishes him. And it was just, I, I, I cannot stress how awesome it was to watch that. There is, I wish I could come up with a more eloquent word, but that's what it was. It was just awesome. For everybody going up, there's got to be a couple going down. Let's start. Who's your first trending downwards? My first trending downward uh, is Nick Diaz. Uh, it, Nick Diaz lost to Robbie Lawler in their rematch, uh, 17 years in the making. Via TKO, it was a retirement, uh, 44 seconds into round three. We don't often see those. Lawler um, got hit. Diaz, Diaz went to the ground and at Lawler said, come on up. You know, he wasn't going to go for the ground and pound. And the ref said, all right, it's time to get up. And Diaz just stayed down. He That was Diaz's no mas moment, essentially. Um, and look, there were moments where Diaz was sort of exhibiting the, the, D, the Diaz of his glory days. He, he was putting together some nice combos. He looked out of shape. There's a reason. I mean, obviously, we discussed last week that the fight was a middleweight, but this wasn't a guy who didn't just not cut to 170. This was a guy who was not in great shape. And Nick Diaz is a guy who we've who we've known historically has an amazing gas tank. He looked out of it. We, we talked a little bit about the interviews that he had where this is a guy with, frankly, like a tortured soul and particularly with fighting. He doesn't want to be there. And if he does, he doesn't. He doesn't verbalize it very well. Uh, you know, I think, and I'm not trying to play like armchair psychologist. I think he does suffer from uh, anxiety. I think social anxiety disorder. He does, He's uncomfortable in press conference settings. You know, this is a guy who felt he's been wronged his entire career. I think he's upset because he missed out on huge paydays. His younger brother has sort of taken the reins in terms of the popularity of the Diaz brothers and the Diaz army. And it said this is a guy who I don't care what you say. Nick Diaz fights were just must see TV in the, the in the height of his career. But <clears throat> six years, that's a long time. And he wasn't in good shape. It was sad to see. Even though, again, there were moments you saw the skill came through, but it was not the same. He just looked to me, he looked off. Some some of the true, like the real Nick Diaz apologists are like, oh, uh, he's still in it. You know what I mean? Give him another fight. I don't need to see it again. And he doesn't sound like he wants to be there. And I don't want a guy who doesn't want to be there fighting. And we're going to get to that. We're going to dive a little bit deeper on that on that topic on Wednesday. That that what's next kind of for Nick Diaz? It deserves more than just a 30-second you know, sound clip here. So look for that on this program on Wednesday. Uh, number two, trending downwards. Number two, I went with uh, Marlon Moraes, who, as I mentioned, lost to Marab Devalishvili via TKO in the second round. This is a guy who, when entering the UFC, coming from, at the time, it was World Series of Fighting, now the Professional Fight League. He was a highly touted prospect. You saw that in his ascension through the bantamweight ranks, but fell short against Henry Cejudo and now is on a three-fight losing skid and clearly out of the title picture in the bantamweight division. This is a guy who has gas tank issues and has surprisingly some grappling issues, uh, particularly in the grappling defense department. So to me, Marlon Moraes trending downward. Who is your third trending downwards? And um, it can't be Bellator. No, it's not. It's not. But Bellator was was silent. No, it is not Bellator. It is Jarzinho Rosenstruck, who lost to Curtis Blades via unanimous decision, 30-27, all three scorecards. Uh, similar to what I described with Marlon Moraes, this sort of this loss really it firmly implanted the fact that he simply cannot deal with any uh, MMA heavyweight who has any semblance of a grappling game slash ground game. You know, he he's cannot. He's just is not good with his takedown defense in spite of working with guys like King Mo Lawal 
it's just the improvement is still not there. And even though he's a very talented striker, this is a guy who now is no longer in the title picture. So I put Jarzinho Rosenstruck there. It is also notable to you know that I didn't put Curtis Blades in the three up because I was not overly impressed with his performance. He did what he had to do, but I'm not putting him as a winner. I think and he is not a Dana White is not a fan of his style, and I think that's really going to hurt Curtis Blades moving forward. On that note, we will be back on Wednesday. We're going to be talking more professional football. We are going to be talking some boxing, major upset in the world of boxing. We're going to be taking a little bit of a deeper dive on UFC 266. We will be on Sportswire Radio, Sports Talk Philly, everywhere you find podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and share. Remember, Michael's Glass Company, serving the Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978. 215-338-3293. Tell them that we sent you. The Paul's Table, a modern Italian steakhouse, 70s Lancaster Avenue in Ardmore, the heart of the main line. I'm Mike, that's Brett. We will see you on Wednesday.